Maybe I flicked something. Maybe I flicked a switch. I don't know. It's a little bit hard to say, but I am going to keep an eye on it now while we record. And we're 12 seconds in so far, so good. I'm going to take us through the intro again. Okay. Dudes, it's, uh, it's episode 30. Episode 29 is perhaps going to be released, perhaps not. It could have been the one episode that didn't get recorded, even though we thought it was recorded. In any case, uh, it's T and Joey today. Hello. Hey, bro. And uh, we've got Beck, one of our members from the gym. She is a mother of two, a ceramicist, an engineer, a beast in the gym, and a humble individual. Uh, but we have a few things we want to pick your brain about. So welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Welcome back. Super good. Um, Beck, maybe you could kick off by giving us, and I know you just did this a minute ago, give us a little introduction about you, to yourself, who you are and what you do. Cool. I'm an engineer by day. Specialise in sustainability and mechanical systems in buildings, mostly in Sydney. Uh, a lot of maths, spreadsheets, computer work. Uh, yep, I'm talking it up really um, high here. <laughs> but it is pretty cool because I get to contribute it to the community and hopefully to places that my kids will one day grow up in, which is kind of what drew me to that field. Uh, to supplement all of that brain work, I try and get into the pottery studio once a week at least. I've been going there for about seven years, started off doing classes and just kind of fell in love with it. And I guess from a physical health point of view, uh, since I've been, uh, since I've been able to run, run basically, I've been playing team sports, so a lot of touch football since I was about 14, uh, at a rep level quite competitively until I started to uh, feel my knees weaken a little bit so I thought it's probably a good idea to stop doing that kind of thing. I was going to a weekly CrossFit class and kind of fell in love with weights and things like that so it kind of drew me to find a space like Jungle Brothers to train where I need to take care of my body but still stay strong. You you obviously like the training thing. You, you seem like a bit of an exercise frother. It's funny because I've never actually thought of myself as that until I met you guys. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> I am. <laughs> Do you still not quite believe it? Still don't believe it. Right on. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I get what you mean about the feeling like what you do for work is kind of boring. And it's not because when you tell me like, oh, I do sustainability and I help make buildings more efficient. And I'm like, fuck, that's super cool. Like you must have a really interesting skill set and some of the applications of it must be fascinating. Um, but then I think whenever I meet someone and I tell them that like I, I own this gym, I'm always, I always play it down and it's not that exciting. I'm like, oh, I've got a gym. It's, you know, little gym. We do fighting and lifting and, and people are like, that's fucking awesome. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. But it takes some convincing to, to get excited about the thing that you do. Yeah, I mean, probably because I do it every day. Now that I've had a little break from it, uh, being on maternity leave, I, I, I do miss it a little bit and a lot of events, shall we call them, have been happening in the news around buildings, their safety and whether they could have been designed better. And I guess that is our job. That's your field. Yeah, I'm not necessarily a structural engineer, but I am an engineer, so I do understand the processes behind that, the risks associated with what we do, the impacts on people when you have to move out of a building from a safety perspective, all of that stuff. Yeah, so there's like a, for, for your job, there's a level of seriousness yep. in that, the actual real, like the ramifications of doing a bad job or... Yeah, and so for, for me personally, being a mechanical engineer, it's about getting people out of the building safely during a fire, like the Grenfell incident, as opposed to the mascot incident recently. But I mean, it's all kind of in the same box. Well, can we rewind a little? Yeah. I'm not excited about your job because I don't know what the hell you do. Oh, right. Okay, so we draw, really simply, we draw and design all of the engineering systems within a building. And when I say mechanical, I mean anything to do with the movement of air and water in a building. So air conditioning is the real boring one, but we're also talking about how to uh, prevent the spread of smoke when there's a fire to get people out of the building safely. We're talking about how to remove toxins from the air and um, introduce fresh air into the building for different types of spaces. Oh, wow. Yeah. When you say toxins, is that relevant to a fire or is that just the toxins that are present in an indoor environment all the time? Just all the time. VOCs? 
That's one of them, yeah. Right on. Yeah. I know that term. <laughs> Volatile <laughs> <Nice>. organic compounds, <laughs> right? Top score. <laughs> um, yeah, right. So that's the, that's the engineering piece. Yeah. And that's your day-to-day. That's like your nine-to-five. That's, yeah, my nine-to-five. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I want to ask about the babies. Did you, did you get that? You clear on Beck's piece? Watch, yeah. yeah. Tell us about your babies and tell us about like you as a mum and, and how like the time frame there, how old they are and when you gave birth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, found out I was pregnant earlier last year, so early 2018. A uh, couple of months later, found out I was having two once. Wow. <laughs> yep, that was fun. So they, they're, they're for all intensive purposes, two separate babies. They're, they were in separate amniotic sacs, separate placentas. They are separate genetically, ah. so they're not identical. They're fraternal twins. Is that is that what defines identical twins? They're, they're in like one sac, one placenta? Not necessarily. So right. you can have the separate sac and placenta but have identical apparently okay. from what I understand but it is extremely rare. So the, uh, that's just, it's a genetic thing? Uh, it's just how they formed I think. Yeah, yeah right. No expert on, on twins but well. More so than us. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and then in January I actually um, happened to stop training around Christmas and then went into hospital within a couple of days of January and sat in antenatal for two weeks really really bored because Indy had decided to break her waters so we were just waiting there to see what would happen because it was too early to deliver um, well to force a delivery via induction right yeah and then mid-January I was showing signs of infection which was a bit of a risk to the baby so we we went for it we tried to induce me I was in labor for 10 hours overnight which was lots of fun and I guess achieved my hope of and looking back this sounds absolutely crazy but achieved my hope of understanding what it felt like to to be in labor that's that was the only thing I kind of wanted to do uh so yeah tick that box but after 10 hours I wasn't fully dilated it didn't look like I was going to be able to deliver naturally so we waited around six hours and I had a planned cesarean later that day still hadn't slept for about know 24 hours or something like that and yeah delivered two healthy babies at 36 weeks two minutes apart Indy first at 1.9 kilos and Parker two minutes later at 2.3 kilos which Mm. is tiny and then they spent two weeks in the intensive care unit at the Royal Women's Hospital at Randwick. Wowza. How come they spent two weeks in intensive care? So they were healthy, they, they uh, could regulate their own temperature and all of that, so good question, but they needed a little bit of time learning to feed. And mm. Indy was under two, I think the cutoff's low to two point something kilos for uh, premature babies to be in the intensive care unit, so they, they took them in, but they needed to learn to feed anyway, which took two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Is any of that, um, like when, they're, when they have to be in the intensive care unit, is that all kind of understood before the process and during that that could happen or when when they're like oh they're gonna have to spend a couple of weeks here is that all a bit scary we i guess i was fully prepared that they were likely to go to the special care unit being twins yeah and the fact that my waters broke at 34 weeks it was highly likely but as silly as it sounds i actually wasn't prepared to leave hospital without them so i knew that they were going to stay there and obviously I was going to go home. But I guess from an emotional perspective, going home without your babies or yeah, baby babies is kind of a weird thing because everyone goes home with their babies in your head, in the movies, or your friends go home with your babies. You, you know, you strap the baby in the car and you're like, oh my God, I have a baby, I'm yeah. gonna take them home. Well, I got in the car and drove home with Solo. nothing in the car, just me and my husband, which I wasn't prepared for emotionally. And the twin baby seats in the back. Yeah, kind of weird. The, yeah, everything was ready to have them except they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah, and I had to go to the hospital every three hours to feed them basically. Holy so shit. it was not a rest. Yeah. You got uh, cesarean. My wife went through the same thing. Um, the recovery time is a lot longer uh, because obviously cutting through... 
layers of muscle. Uh, when you when you uh, moved into coming when you came back to the gym after you had given birth, how long did you give yourself for, before you felt like you were ready to start moving again? Mm, um, if- I think the term cesarean is really thrown around like this is, it's this normal thing. And, you know, I did the same thing leading up to the birth. But it's it's a crazy surgery and probably the only surgery that you'll ever get to actually half witness around a sheet, sort of. You get Fuck. to see the operations of, of a, a theatre. Well, you know, I'm on so many drugs, so I can't really remember it that well, but I, I was there. You can't do that in any other surgery. It's pretty cool and it's... It's epic. I remember when Az posted the photo of his little girl coming, like being born via cesarean as sitting it's over nuts. there. It's the de- yeah. Man, that, f- that freaked me out, that picture. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, and people just throw around, oh, she had a cesarean or, you know. Uh, just oh, get yeah, a cesarean. No, she just had a cesarean. Just go book one in. It's fine. I'm like, yeah, no worries. I mean, it's actually really intense. Yeah. And going back to what T said, yes, the recovery after it is just as um, – much of a surprise as how intense the operation is because it gets thrown around so much as like a, a normal thing, I suppose. I was almost like looked at as the easier way to, to a get little back. bit. Um, yeah. I think the people don't realise that it's that it's a major operation. It takes a long time for for layers of muscle to heal. Especially yeah. smooth muscle. Yeah, and it's crazy. And, you know, shatters a lot of women's dreams of delivering naturally if that's what you wanted to do, which uh, a lot of people do. So um, go, uh, with the recovery, I was lucky enough to be walking the next day. I didn't actually get to see Indian Parker properly that day because I couldn't I, – I was lucky enough to be able to sit up somehow, but as soon as I got into the wheelchair, I felt like I was going to throw up mm. so I couldn't actually get – to the special care unit to see them. Another surprise. But I was lucky enough to be able to walk the next day and um, I was lucky enough to leave the hospital after five pretty easily and quite mobile, I suppose, and be able to pick them up. Wow. Um, in terms of returning to the gym, I think I mentally was ready around eight weeks, came back around ten. Yeah, you were in touch with us that yeah. whole time. And I did a trial class with Aaron and I kind of thought I was my old self. So I, I kind of did everything like I would have. And it was it was great because I was kind of running on adrenaline. But then when I got home, my whole body was just exhausted. So I ended up giving myself another two weeks. I think I joined back around 12, yeah, 12 weeks properly and tried to ease myself into it. But it is a, a really humbling experience like any injury or uh yeah recovery from surgery to come back into a place that you're very well familiar with and try and compare yourself to the to the previous self yeah yeah i'm not the same person (laughs) yeah and i still i'm still not the same body i suppose and i guess nobody is after a big injury or surgery but that was a bit of a surprise yeah i think it takes uh, if you're looking at getting back to performing on a on a similar level to before the pregnancy, up to six six to eight months. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a long time when long you're time. when you're at home every day and you're used to feeling fresh from exercising every day. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things get shifted and moved and stretched and separated, and then yeah. all that elasticity has got to come back into the body. Yeah, that takes time. What was the process of you? Uh, moving back to where you are now because you're, you're you're moving efficiently now. Uh, what steps did you take from when you started back in the gym to where you are now? Because obviously you didn't go straight into into performing at uh, at, at your your highest output. Um, I found it really confusing at the beginning. I think I think it's a bit of a, uh, a, a not an area that's not well understood in terms of how much a pregnancy can affect your body. Um, The main areas being like your pelvic floor. Some people get mixed up which muscles they are to start with, Mm. let alone if they're weak or if they were weakened during the whole process. Ab separation, what were your abs like before? What are they like now? What's normal? Are they ever going to return to the same 
point before I, and I have tried to seek medical advice around that and it's a little bit confusing. Still to this day, I'm not entirely sure. Still to this day, I do have a bit of a separation, but I, I think it's normal. And then there were areas that I didn't even think would be impacted by pregnancy that weakened completely, like my, my legs. I didn't give birth to a baby through my legs, but somehow <laughs> they're totally weak. <laughs> I couldn't do a lunge for, for ages. So I think I got my first proper lunge without my knees hurting um, two weeks ago, which is a little bit strange because I thought my legs were fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to do s lots of things around my core up until that point, but nothing to do with single leg stuff. Wow. Which is a little bit, that was surprising. Uh, a lot of persistence, a lot of self-research. I did, I did, self-research is a bit, yeah. I did seek advice from a few different specialists, I suppose, some physios, some postnatal people. Everyone has a bit of a different opinion, which is also confusing. Yeah. So I guess I, I put it back down to feel. Like, how, do I feel like I'm okay? Am I hurting afterwards? Do I hurt during it? And maybe I need to stop today. Might be okay. T tomorrow might not be. I just have to kind of go with it. So it's a, it's a little bit of a trial and, and sort of not error, but you have to gauge the, the response as you go. A little bit. In and this yeah. stage. Unfortunately, I don't think there's hard and fast rules from the professionals that, that can dictate when it's safe to go back. Well, that I've found anyway, which is which sucks a little bit. And if anybody knows somebody who can tell me that, that'd be great. But yeah, it is. I, th I found that really confusing. Well, it is. It is interesting, right? Um, I guess when you when you talk about how, like when you were saying when you were spitting out the stats of you know the hours, and I was at the the antenatal ward for this long, and you know the waters broke for one of them, and like. Then the labor took this long. Like there's so many variables in that process it, for, for me as an outsider. And, and then on top of that, there's all the variables of you as a person and everyone's body is different and yeah. the way they respond to things is different. So it kind of makes sense to me in a way that they don't really know or it's, that, yeah. you know, and that it is like a completely individual thing. Um. You know, just because there's fuck, there's so much going on there. Oh, for sure. But yeah. as the person who's trying to find the information, that's really hard to hear. Yeah, it's not what you yeah. want to hear. Plus, in a world of where, uh, in a world where risk and the repercussions of risk is such a big thing, I'm not surprised people aren't telling you what's what's what yeah. as well. Have right. on, did you find that there's like, I mean, have there been people, family members, or anyone that are like? don't train like just just rest you need rest like trying to keep you almost like the bit of that old school thing where it's like no no just yeah. don't do anything not too bad postpartum but more during the pregnancy i think there's a bit of a i don't know if it's a stigma that pregnant women should be resting yeah and maybe some should i don't know up for discussion probably a whole nother topic but yeah i did i did get a lot of that yeah okay before more like a vibe from people that, that they don't want you to or people actually saying to you, don't, you shouldn't do anything? Uh, a vibe and also people just helping you and I'm like, I can do it. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny, isn't it? Because if it, if it I mean, uh, the, the, the physical side of things, you know, being separate from the discussion, even just from a, from a mental health perspective, if you're the kind of person that exercises every day and that's something that is integral to your lifestyle, then you know, maybe it's not going to be great for you just to completely stop exercising. Like, you, you probably need that, right? Yeah, I imagine you need that being such a frother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why you are a frother in a minute, but okay. just accept it for now. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you're, you, I, you drive yourself crazy. Even a lot of people go on holidays for a week and don't exercise because that's the thing you do when you go and try and relax, but then they need it. Yes. So it's like a, yeah... Yeah, it's a mental thing, isn't it? And unfortunately, pottery is just not enough. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I did a pottery workshop with you. It's fucking physical. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty physical. Yeah, yeah. That, that like stabilizing your, uh, when, you, when you sit around the wheel and you have to like stabilize your elbows. Do you stabilize them inside your legs or against your, against your torso? Against your torso. Yeah, you kind of frame off it. That was really hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> It looks easy. Do potters, have, do potters have an amount of strength? Like if you look at the people you know who are in that world, do they have like some grip or some like 
kind of upper body strength? Yeah, I think so. And Or, yeah, upper body, probably core strength mostly. But, yeah, you have to. But also when you get used to it, you, you learn to use your body a bit more efficiently and it's less strength, I suppose. Yeah. More technique. Like jiu-jitsu. Like, yeah, you said that last time. I did, didn't you I? You said pottery and jiu-jitsu are the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You suck. Everyone sucks at it at first. Yeah. How'd you get into ceramics? I did a class with my sister. We thought we should hang out together a bit more when, when I moved out of home. And she picked it. That's the real boring story. And yeah. you, make, uh, you make money out of it too, yeah? Like yeah. It's, it's a job? Uh, yeah, I'd call it a job. I take a, a fair few orders. Yeah. Mostly commissions for people's homes, which is cool. I, I, have, I have dabbled in restaurant and cafe wear and didn't love... Uh, fulfilling those orders. Too much volume. Volume, not as much creativity and, yeah, a little bit of stress and less creativity, I suppose. So going off your that, what you just said there, you're being an engineer and having a, a mechanical or analytical mathematical mind and then switching into this uh, artistic realm, do you... Was there much of a transition there or is that something that just came came naturally? You feel like you're a little bit of both? It's kind of weird because, yeah, I do feel like I'm a bit of both, but pottery is one of those crafts that involves actually a lot of science more than you think and a fair bit of uh, understanding about the movement of air, particularly around kilns and things, like mm-hmm. where the hot air is going to go, uh, which type of fluids going to be where and how is it going to impact how your pot's going to look like in a gas firing or a wood firing or something like that so funnily enough i feel like they're the same thing i suppose all art is yeah, when you think about it yeah i suppose a so math involved a little bit yeah 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 interesting yeah uh, yeah i mean i did love it for the create creative side at first and then as more as i got into it a bit more it kind of fulfilled both sides of my brain have you ever thought about commercial like did you ever think about commercializing that and going full-time into it yeah i think i think you'd have to go overseas to to make it work properly i think labor is really expensive here or i'd need to get people making for me but why i love it is because i make you the bowl or i make you this or whatever so i i I mean the last six months i've had to rethink my model a little bit and i'm still kind of working on that in between everything else but uh I love what it is at the moment and, and I wouldn't change anything for what it is at the moment. I've, I've even gone into baby products somehow. That just <laughs> happened. <laughs> You're <laughs> but a natural-born entrepreneur. Yeah, dude. but it's been a really successful uh, venture, the baby products. What kind of baby products are made of ceramics? Oh, they just like every mum and Little dad. toy guns and stuff. Yeah, they want toy guns. It feels like that. <laughs> everything there. <that laughs> they want their break. footprints on everything. Footprints oh, on plates, footprints, footprints yeah. on cups and... Oh, t- yeah. so it's it's kind of like maybe products, not products, for the baby. Not for the baby now. Yeah, yeah, right. I've seen the the ones on your Instagram that you've done for your kids with that's the That's how it started. So cool. Yeah. Did you get heaps of people like, that's beautiful, I want that? Yeah, I've, I've made a few, a fair few things for new mothers and fathers of that kind of range. So I cool. Suppose. Yeah. Could you do a... Could you do like, maybe this is fucked up, but like (laughs) I'm drinking my coffee from a mug that Beck made me right now and on the bottom of the cup it says, engraved in it, a cup for a chin-up, which this is just alludes to your frothiness for training. (laughs) Beck said, um, if you can teach me how to do a chin-up, I will make you two coffee mugs. And so that was engraved in the bottom of this mug and I love this mug and the other one that I have at home. Um, But um, could you do like a mug you seen those kettlebells that have the like a chimp face on them? Oh yeah. <laughs> right? Could you do like a mug that has a, a baby's face oh, on it? Don't. Could you like imprint <laughs> the baby's face and then Yeah, I guess we could, but can you imagine the baby's that face? That would be sick. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine as a it. parent if you could be drinking <laughs> from a mug with your baby's face on it. That would be pretty uh, scary. <laughs> a, bit, a little bit morbid. Little scary, yeah. <laughs> We could try. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Yeah, you can be the test. We can test <laughs> on your <Yeah>. face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like you, I guess you know, I wanted to. I guess I wanted to give some validity to calling you an exercise frother. And I think T mentioned it before. You're you are a very self motivated individual, uh, or a very highly motivated individual. And I I came to learn that when you first 
when we first met at the old gym and you came across for a consult and that happened because your ceramic studio was next to our gym, right? Yeah, it was which kind is of perfect. pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we had a chat and I remember sitting down with you and talking about your training and you were just like, like you were like an open book from the beginning and you're like, yeah, this is what I want and I'm, I'm like, you know, there was no selling involved. I didn't really have to pitch anything to you. You were just like, I can't, I want to get involved and I'm, however that works, let's go. But I remember asking you about the training you were doing and, and you said, yeah, I'm doing some stuff. I'm, I remember you saying you played touch footy, but what sticks out is that you told me you were running the stairs at Coogee. You're like, yeah, I go and run the stairs like a couple of times a week or something. Yeah, I love those, well, loved, the past tense, those stairs. Mate, those stairs are fucking savage. And I was like, geez, anyone that's going there by themselves or with a training partner or whatever yeah. and doing that voluntarily is already on another level in terms of being self-driven. Yeah. Because it's hard. Like anyone out there that's, that's run the stairs at Coogee. T, have you run those stairs before? Yeah, I used to live down the road from them. Okay, they're fucking it's brutal, right? Yeah, they're good. Like, and, and, you know, and this, you know, call it sexist, whatever, but I, I, I imagine there'd be, uh, you would see less females putting themselves through that. And I could be totally eating oh, my words yeah. right now. I can't even remember. Can't even remember. But the, yeah, those stairs are, I actually don't know how I did it, to, to be fair. Yeah, and right. There was, it was only 20 minutes, the session that I did, but it was three quarters of the stairs up in a minute and three minutes rest back down to the bottom times six. Fuck. Yeah, and I'd only just make it to the top, I'd remember. And I'd turn around and just be like, oh my gosh, five to go. But you've got to keep going. Just keep doing it. Yeah, and be over in less than 20 minutes. You walk down? You can't. You can't. It's not enough time. Ah, oh, right, so yeah. you kind of got to bounce down you a little bit. You kind of got to, like... You could probably walk the first bit and then you've got to just kind of jog. Mm, yeah, half jog, half walk. Man. Roll down the stairs. But so that, you know, so that, that struck me. And I was like, oh, wow, holy shit. And then I think you said, hey, when I start training at your gym, I was like, oh, you know, are you going to come? You know, when do you want to come in? Are you going to come a few times a week, whatever? You're like, oh, I'll probably be here every day. Did and I say that? I think so, yeah. And then <laughs> you're like, when I get into a thing, I really get into it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like you were doing it every day. And then you came to me and were like, hey, I'd like to learn a chin-up. Can you write me a program that I can use outside of classes? And then I noticed that you started coming in morning and night. And I'm like, holy shit. And then <laughs> you started in our grappling program. And now you're and now you're back in the grappling, right? Like yeah. post-pregnancy. So can you talk a little bit on what, what kind of drives you with your exercise and why that's something that you that you are so consistent with and that you put energy into? Yeah. Um, I do sound a bit crazy when you talk about me like that. <laughs> motivated, let's say motivated. Motivated, not crazy. Uh, probably because I don't do anything half-assed. So if, if I'm going to do it, do it properly. Baller. I yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever come once and because I just wouldn't see results. So I'd feel like it was a waste of time. And for other people, that might be enough. But for me, it wouldn't be because I wouldn't see results. So like the chin-up thing, for example, I wouldn't see results if I wasn't doing all the other stuff plus trying to isolate that particular area of training. Yeah. And I guess it paid off at the time, I think. From a Fuck yeah, I got yeah, the chin-up. I did. <laughs> Had to make two cups. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, um, but yeah, from a mental health point of view, I guess it's, it's, it's just clears your head. And um, in a place that other people are kind of doing the same thing and everyone's really friendly, people know your name, it's a bit hard not to get addicted or in this sense more addicted to whatever it is you're doing, so exercising, I suppose. So yeah. is it, is, do you think the larger, the larger factor is the social aspect or is it the personal thing within you? Because would you do it if you weren't doing it with other people? No, I'd still do it. Well, yeah, I did right. the stairs, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an added bonus, I suppose, and becomes more important as you're getting older because you, I guess your circles kind of shrink a little bit because you're getting less, uh, more busy. Yeah. And so it's nice to be able to do two things at once. See some friends, get fit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I've met a few really cool people here that I would call my friend. Ah. Which is really nice. Ah. Yeah. How'd you get into jujitsu? I... It's a bit blurry. I feel like Joey forced me, but I think I... <laughs> I did not force I think her. I expressed interest first. <laughs> <laughs> and then you may have... He pressured me. Really? In a nice way, maybe. 
I'm very thankful. It's cool. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what does that look like? And then I was like, and then I started going like, do I have a bit of a tone with people where I'm forceful uh, without realising it? Maybe. Uh, I won't answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just did, uh, I promised Joey I'd try one class. And he was so passionate about it, it would, it would be um, silly of me not to try it. And the energy that the first few classes were bringing because everyone was trying it was really, really cool. There's still energy there now. It's just a different type of energy because people are learning or maybe they've settled down a little bit or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, I kind of got addicted because it puts everything that you learn in the gym kind of into practice in ways that you didn't think you could. Like, mm. oh, my leg's just over there now. <laughs> Is it going to break? <laughs> still attached. But, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it's really cool because it brings everything together in, a, yeah, in an unexpected way. It tests your body too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've... I've found a few weaknesses from uh, in my own body through jiu-jitsu which has been an eye-opener as well and then if, like if, what uh well i guess after indian parker were born particularly around like my neck and my back that stiffened up a lot and i didn't realize until i had to kind of go into ball-ish positions uh with my body and then kind of trying to get out of certain positions or roll up on my neck or something like that i guess picking up babies all day you kind of tighten up a lot and I didn't realise. Yep. And then that showed me. Uh, it also showed me weaknesses in my core, which I had to go away and work on as well, which I wouldn't have found if I was just pulling weights, I suppose. Before or after pregnancy, the core? The core, mostly after. Uh, yeah, before wasn't so much for some reason. I, I never had that much of it. I didn't have a six-pack or anything or, like, I didn't feel like it was that strong, but it was really, really obvious afterwards, yeah. Don't know why. Well, because your stomach's been stretched. Oh, yeah, that old thing. <laughs> By twins. <laughs> <laughs> Two humans. Plus, you get a lot of relaxins released into the yeah, body, Yeah, another too. area that people this don't know a, about Yeah, probably mm. might have had something to do with your legs not wanting to work as well as they did. You're also naturally very mobile anyway. So, which I also didn't know until I yeah. came to talk to Joey. Asian man, you're Asian. Yeah, well, it's part of the. It's the flexibility the deal. privilege. Not all of, not everyone. No, it's true. It's yeah. a massive generalization, <laughs> 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 and potentially a racist comment. But you guys get the vibe. Yeah, you're. Al- <laughs> I guess I always tell my husband he's allowed because he's married to me. I guess you have a similar. <laughs> yeah. Allowance. Well, he's not very flexible, right? He's probably going to listen to this afterwards. And he's not Asian. So, correlation, you tell me. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Proven. (laughs) But, yeah, it's true. Like, I, um, the, the jujitsu thing and the, the, like, we could say the instability of the midsection and, you know, whatever's left over, things that haven't tightened up post-pregnancy. Um, the jujitsu thing is potentially very problematic, isn't it? Like, if you went back into it at 100%, you could really fuck yourself up. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's important to note that you've been taking a very conservative approach with how you train. I mean, we trained together the other night. And, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're moving very deliberately and very in a very aware way. Yeah, I guess going back to the humbling aspect of coming back post-injury or surgery, it, it comes from that, I think. Sometimes to a, in a detrimental way because you lose confidence. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been very careful because I am well aware that I had surgery six months ago and well aware that my body is very different. So uh, I have been very, very careful with what I do. And I haven't tried to do anything that I couldn't do before or during pregnancy, minus 20%. Yeah, right. Yeah, so then tell us what's been your, in terms of, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, like you just mentioned, 20%, what sort of rules or parameters have you given yourself to enable you to come back successfully? I just started with things that I knew really well, so what I would call my bread and butter. So just strength work with very predictable pieces of equipment to start with. Like some deadlifts, some push-ups. Yep. Yep. That don't involve somebody else moving or that don't involve a partner who's putting pressure on me to, to reach a time. Yes. For example, which is my own competitiveness coming out of me because your partner never does that. But somebody, they're waiting for you to finish so that they can go. 
makes me try and push the boundaries probably too much. Yeah. So I guess on Saturday mornings, the gym does a lot of partner or four people in a team work. I often would say to Aaron, hey, I'll do it by myself. That was probably one of the biggest changes I made. And I would do it really slowly. Smart. Yeah. Very smart. Uh, do you find uh, do you find that mentally in a class when people are going for it and you're having to keep the brakes on the handbrake on yourself a little bit, do you find that a battle? Like, does that you know is that something you have to like? Does that suck or are you you kind of cool with it? You're like, no, no, that's just where I'm at right now and and I'm down with it. I'm happy to be moving. Uh, at the beginning, I think it was a bit hard because I, I had a bit of pressure on myself to just kind of be healthy again. But now it doesn't matter. They're on their own kind of path. They they probably have their own injuries or have had injuries or their own challenges, which they're trying to like deal with themselves in terms of training. And I just feel lucky that I have an hour to spend on my own to do something that's making me and my body feel healthier. That's it. And I've, I just had to focus on that and I guess when you're as tired as I am you really can't think about anything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk, yeah talk about that what's it like how do you get the motivation to come into the gym and train when you're completely you know uh, sleep deprived and probably feeling pretty unmotivated uh, it's kind of weird because when you're in this hole of you're not sleeping very much I don't think you know that you're there maybe other parents who have gotten out of the sleep deprivation stage can say otherwise but I feel like I actually don't know how tired I am until I'm by myself or until I go for a walk and it's a real relaxing kind of thing to do and then I'm like oh shit I'm really tired I'm actually really tired but in terms of getting past that uh, my husband says I says I won't I'll look after the kids at these times so you can go to the gym these times and I guess if I don't go, I can't go. So that's my biggest motivation. Right, you have to go go. at that time. Otherwise, there's no other time. Yeah. Like my husband's very, very flexible but I mean there's only so many hours in the week and and all that kind of thing. So I just go. Plus half the time I'm already up so might as well go. Fuck it. (laughs) Let's go lift. Yeah, let's just go. I'm up at five o'clock. I might as well just go. (laughs) That's there, and also I think it makes me be a better mum because I mean, in the first bit, my back was aching, and a lot of it had to do with losing strength in parts of my back that I used to train. Plus, I was bending over to pick up two growing babies all the time, and you know, putting them in cots and breastfeeding, always looking down and always looking down, 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 down at things. So my back kind of um, tightened up and was really, really sore, kind of like desk pain. Yeah. Uh, so to get past that, I had to do something about it. So I guess that was my second motivation, strengthen my back up to make myself happier. Therefore, I'd be a better mother and therefore my kids maybe would be happier and sleep better, maybe. Dude, <laughs> good thought processes that you have inside <laughs> your head. Like good sequences of rationale there. Yeah, but um, I don't get back pain anymore. So that's maybe a happy coincidence, but... I think no, not. there's no coincidence there. It's like uh, any any uh, any environment that you put your body in. If you can make yourself stronger than you need to be to commit to that environment, then your body's not going to be under stress. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Yeah, yeah you can so get I strong I for sitting at the desk, or you get strong for lifting shit all day, or you can get strong for holding bubbies. Um, Probably a little bit. Well, I'd be the same with the, with you, even with the twins. But a lot of the times, when you bring newborn into into the world, and it doesn't matter if you're a big, strong dude or you're a little woman, having a child or even a newborn that weighs uh, very little in the one arm, day in and day out. Yeah, it fucking ruins you. I don't know why. You twist your body around yeah. and your hips hurt and your shoulder hurts, your <laughs> bicep tightens up. <laughs> no one really gets it until you've, you've got that constantly there in front of you and you favour the one arm just naturally because you've got to continue working in life and doing things. And if your body's still recovering from injury, that's predominantly what giving birth is, um, then it's very difficult to... Have everything tighten up uh, in, a, in a balanced way 
when you've got these other little variables that are pulling you, pulling you out. So I think it just comes back to the fact that it's very important to train all the way up to birth and then get back into your exercise as soon as you possibly can after birth, but being very aware of the level of intensity and the actual exercise prescription that you're doing prior and then and after as well. And that changes not just at the beginning of your, like your first trimester, but all the way through what you can do at the beginning, what you can't do, and what you can do at the end and what you can't do, and then coming out of birth. It's the same thing. You've used your intuition. A lot of people don't have that. And if you have some kind of guide, I think it's really important if you want to come out of that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, how would you put it? Um, it's almost like trauma. Yeah. Yeah, a little. <laughs> With, uh, and have uh, 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 your, your biomechanics intact at the end of it all. It's a fucking big journey. It's pretty tough, tough on the body. Yeah, and I guess you don't really know till you're going through it. Yeah. The uh, extent well, of it, yeah. My, my, my wife's in, in good nick. Like, she's like, she trains hard and she's had a, um, a professional career as a dancer and her recovery from C-section was a fucking really long and tough and, um, and, uh, and uh, really... Um, frustrating time for her and there were periods there where she was very depressed and uh, periods there where she would make progress and then lose that progress from pushing too hard and I thought to myself imagine what it would be like if you don't have training history if you don't have um, if you're not surrounded by individuals that can help you on that journey and then uh, you don't have the motivation and the drive before you go into pregnancy and then all of a sudden you have to find it coming out to try and hold your body together. I think a lot of the damage that you get uh, that you can get through that process is potentially irreversible if you're in, uh, in, a, in a different state. Yeah. I mean, she, she's extremely healthy yeah. and happy now. I guess all the challenges she's gone through, maybe not spoken about so much, not necessarily with D, but I mean just as a general kind of thing people expect you to kind of bounce back no matter what age or what history you've had. I don't know if social media has an impact on that or if it's just a thing like you just get on with it and you don't speak about it. But I am not surprised that the, the postnatal depression statistics are so high and, and from what I understand quite high in the twins kind of world with twin mothers apparently. Have right. a, apparently have a higher... Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I can totally understand that because... You think you're doing well Double one day. Double the amount of work as well, yeah, isn't it? Kind of. <laughs> times four, it feels like. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can understand the mental frustration that, that Dee would have had to go through um, for each of your kids. And I wish that people would speak about it a little bit more. Yeah, so because some, sometimes I have those days and it's really nice because a, a person who might have uh, given birth or their partner gave birth... 10 or 20 years ago would come up to me and say, Becky, you're doing really well. And sometimes that's all it takes to be like, yeah, you know what? I did pretty well just then, even though I felt like shit. Or yeah. you just kind of forget where you came from. But sometimes it, it does I – can, I can totally see why people go down the dangerous path of, yeah, mental challenges. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, tough, it's a tough road. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny one because, like you've mentioned before, T, um, get – getting strong for pregnancy as just like an idea that, that, you know, which is what you alluded to before, that your, your body's going to go through some really like hard times. There's going to be some trauma, you know, or injury or you're going to have to recover from this event. So the, the stronger you can be going into that, the, the better your recovery is going to be as a, as a general sort of statement. Yeah, for any surgery. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and that's the more successful the recovery is going to be as well. Potential. Yeah. But then I suppose the flip side of that too is that you it's almost that thing of uh, you don't know what you don't know. And if you – so if you come from that place where you're fit and strong and then you have the thing and then afterwards you're like, oh, fuck, man, look how, look how much I've changed or look how – like I can't do the chin-up anymore. I'm not as strong as I was. Like I, whereas if you potentially weren't doing any of that stuff – you probably you didn't care. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> people who, who eat shit food and they, they probably just feel like shit all the time. Energy levels are always low. So it's like, uh, 
it's all the same, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's you know, you would have high expectations of yourself as D would, mm. you know? I mean, I know you're both high-achieving individuals, so it, you have to, um, which then means you have more to grapple with mentally afterwards. Oh, it's a huge challenge. Like, I could do that so easily before. Like, it wasn't even a thing. Like, the lunge, it wasn't even a thing. I'd just drop one knee and I would be lunging. Yeah. Next minute, can't do it. Like, it's not, it wasn't even... So a, black and white. Yeah, like, I didn't even try and do a lunge before. It wasn't a movement that I was trying to achieve. It just was part of life, walking, kind of crawling, like, moving yeah. your arms and legs and then lunging. For, for me, yeah, weird. Yeah. And then put at, put everything else on top of that or every other movement. Yeah, you, your brain just, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. T, I wanted to ask you because you... You know, you and Paul both have kids and I've seen both of you guys, we've had the business together and both of you guys have brought up, you know, uh, like brought up kids during that or, or your partners have given birth to the kids and then I've seen them grow up and that kind of thing. How have you got, how have you coped with the, I, I guess you're out of it a bit now, but the sleep deprivation days when the kids were, you know, when TMI was born and how, how did you manage all that? Um, anytime I was feeling sorry for myself, I would just think about <laughs> how much harder it was for my wife and then I'd feel all right. Yeah, right. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's for whoever is a primary carer, it's, it's a whole other level of deprivation and um, sacrifice. physical, like, yeah, just everything gets sacrificed. Your time just gets taken from you, every little piece of your life, your, your professional career, your training, your social interaction like me going to work was a break from the hard work i almost felt a bit guilty but someone had to go and and make some money when someone has to take that role as a primary care and you try to fill the gaps as much as you can but um there's always going to be one of you that that's you know carrying the the heavy load and um fortunately for me that wasn't me but it was um it was my wife we had the discussion like i was totally up for, for that role and I don't have any gender preference when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, I would, if, if my wife was capable of earning more money than me and she wanted to go out and work, uh, and, and realistically she is capable of earning more money than me, um, I was happy to take that role and I said, but it was something that she wanted to do and um, I wouldn't get in the way of that. But uh, that the way I, any time I ever felt sorry for myself, I'd just think, Right, how I'm feeling now and the way my body's performing in the gym is a fraction of what my wife is going through after I watched her, uh, you know, get to her, her... She had an emergency C-section uh, and then watching her re- trying to recover at the same time as having something sucking milk out of you, at the same time as trying to go... and you know, do all the things that you have to do in life because that doesn't just stop. You know what I mean? Still got to clean still the house. Gotta, still got to fucking do all buy groceries, yeah, all that shit. Yeah, washing and everything. It all starts to just kind of, yeah, it, it gets, it, it all backs up. So that, yeah, I, I, I never, I always felt very, very privileged to have uh, my wife um, being fit and strong as she was and then for me to be able to, try and fill in as, as much as I could but yeah that's cool it's a tough tough gig being a mum <laughs> yeah <laughs> some days it can be yeah, yeah. I mean it's awesome yeah oh, it's so it's so good yeah yeah Beck do you experience any of the when you take the time to come train at the gym do you experience any of the mother's guilt that I've heard other mums talk about about just being away from their babies for an hour where uh, they're like oh, <laughs> you know I I Oh, you know, I know some that just can't be away from them. They're like, I just... Be, not, be, not because the baby needs them, but they just feel too guilty. It's, I don't have that, no. I, I don't know why. Oh, damn. I know. It's cold. I hope they don't listen to this <laughs> in the future <laughs> and be like, oh, my <laughs> mum hates me. Uh, it's good, man. It's good. I need that time alone. It's an hour or whatever it is a day. It's not long. No, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because there's two of them and I, I really, really need to just leave for an hour to yeah. do something anything but yeah i don't i don't get that i get a lot of guilt in other ways mother's guilt in other ways but not when i go uh to the gym for some reason 
maybe I should come more then. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool. I mean, I think it's super cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's been key to your success as a, as a, you know, as a human here in the gym. And like you said before, it carries over to you then being better for your partner and for your kids when you get home and then sleeping better and all, you know. Yeah, and I think just you being happier makes the kids happier. So if there's any, anyone that feels guilty that's, that's listening, that's kind of where, I'm, where I kind of look at it, I suppose. The days that I wake up and am in a bad mood are often the days that Indian Parker are also in a bad mood hmm. because I can't tolerate anything that, that they need help with. Yeah. But if I have a good day and maybe exercise contributes to that, then uh, the day goes much smoother. I find generally. Yeah, they're like little mirrors. Yeah, and I'm like, why are you being like that? And then at the end of the day, I reflect back and think, you would be exactly like me. So I was being the terror, not mm. you guys. I think uh, it's like that that kind of weight that you have to carry in the, the amount of um, social pressure that you get on, it, it, that gets put on mothers nowadays just to be available all the time. It's not a natural uh, environment. And if you look at the way humans uh, have interacted with each other on a tribal scale, and you see it still to this day in, in areas where um, people are living in in a com- communal spaces, like tr- like a like a tribe, not one person looks after the kids. I know this for a fact because when I go back to the Cook Islands, I watch kids get handed around all day, and. The mum is getting a little bit of time with her kids, but then the baby's off with grandmother, off with the sisters, off with the fathers, off with the uncles, off with the nieces and the nephews, and that load gets shared all day. And then the baby never gets put down, <laughs> but it, it's also very content because it's getting all of this um, interaction and, and feedback and stimulation. And if, when you isolate yourself with with your children and they don't get all of that that stimulation then they get frustrated as well and you think okay well the fuck am i doing wrong you know then you go out and have a look at the cafe and they're just kind of like oh okay this is cool but yeah i think uh to be able to take a step back and think all right i'm carrying a lot of a lot of weight here a lot of load doing a lot of extra work and realizing the fact that it's not it's not uh, the, the, the social uh, pressure that we get to, to perform as parents and do the right thing isn't always uh, the ideal environment. You have to be capable of giving yourself a little bit of a little bit of flack and just say, okay, this is, I'm going to lose my shit every now and then. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, you know, there's a lot that's changed in my life. Be able to step back and and just uh, not be too hard on yourself. You know. Yeah, picking up on the, the social pressure thing you said, I think that's a really big one because it's huge. Some, and like, you almost everyone knows how to bring your kids up. Oh, everyone! Everyone, everyone yep. can do it better than even you. I know. <laughs> I don't even have kids. You do you want to take them for a day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be saying that to them. <laughs> but I mean, to I wouldn't even be to them get away with that. You wouldn't, would you? Yeah, no. I'd be so much happier with you. Yeah. <laughs> I could be at the gym all day. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, people tell you, you know, this is how you get them to sleep. You, you let them cry. Other people say no. Mm. Why would you let them cry? Then there's everything in between. Oh, yeah. and I've tried everything. Some days, nothing works. And then I think I wish I didn't know what the book said because I would probably have more access to this instinct that that yes. you were mentioning before with the... Intuition. Yes, and then now I don't even know w- what I know and what I don't know what's right, what's wrong sometimes and plus add the tired part to it. H- who knows? Man, we got some books. We got given a fucking pile of them <laughs> and I looked at them and they were written by by old men. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is some old guy going to tell me about how... Be, tell my, my wife about how to bring up a newborn and I'm like thinking... Man, for a millennia, kids have been getting popped out and everything's like like good, you know what I mean? Like, we've got to just let nature take its place. Every animal on the planet gives birth and knows how to be a mum, you, you, you know what I mean? Knows their role as a dad, like fucking emus that sit on, sit on the eggs for... Oh, is it ostrich? Ostrich sits on, on the eggs for, I think it's like six to eight weeks or something. That guy... He, no one's taught him in a book that ostrich 
that he needs to fulfill that role as a as a as a father. And the mum goes off, and then you got the penguins that do their thing. We also have that in us, that intuition on how to be a parent. And I think when when you overload yourself with too much external information, then you start to detach yourself from 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 the, you know, that that natural intuition. I mean, you don't know what's the, what's right anymore. No. Yeah. Is my baby even yeah, happy? Confused. Yeah. I'm confusing them. Yeah. Do you, do you think though that like touching on that point earlier, because I agree, but then if, you know, like going back to the, the example you gave of the Cook Islands where, you know, it's more of a tribal sort of setting and you can share the load amongst, you know, your, your, your friends and your family. Um, now we can't. So, you know, you could say that in, in, a, in an urban environment that the mother is essentially isolated. The mother is at home with the kid or the kids and the father is at work in a very general sense, um, then does that, does that then change the process? And so maybe in a, in the, in a more vi- in a village setting, you have this organic way of the mother getting d- a bit of downtime because kids are offloaded, I'm going to go whatever, sleep or eat or catch up with friends or whatever I do. Whereas now that, that's not really the case because you're there with them 20, like until the husband gets home and then it's time to go to bed and then wake up and do it all over again. Does that, that difference in the modern environment, does that maybe change our ability to use the intuition? Who knows? I mean, obviously, it's going to have an effect of some kind. I think everything does, you know, environmentally. But I would... I, I remember when my daughter was born and Dee uh, was starting to produce milk and my daughter started crying... And Dee's breast started leaking milk. <laughs> and I was like, how the fuck can a book teach you that? Like, that is, that is a chemical response happening in the body. There's a connection there between my wife and this child that, that no fucking book can teach you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you are open to that, then you just let things kind of happen. And, and, it, and it makes... It makes the whole process much easier. But if if you're close to that, thinking, oh well, I got to get my timer out, and if I hold the baby like this, then it's going to it's going to feed, and, and then it doesn't work out the way the book says, and you're closed off to just being intuitive about the situation, then this is where I think problems can arise. That's my own personal experience, but I'm definitely not a, a specialist in the subject. But I'm big on just being intuitive about being a parent, I think it's, I think it's a very, very strong tool. Yeah. I wish that I wish that uh, being where I am now that pe- that there weren't so many success stories out there about people using books because you say, oh, well, I follow this method hmm. and it's great. My kid sleeps through the night. They're doing ABC. They're hitting all their milestones, and they're just the best kid. Whereas if you didn't hear that on social media or through your friend's friend or, or whatever, you probably wouldn't compare yourself to a benchmark that mm. probably doesn't exist. Yeah. That you more think accepting exists. of how it is. Well, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've been trying not to do that, but in a in a an urban environment and in a modern urban, urban environment, it's extremely hard because it's everywhere. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah, it's everywhere. So, so true. Uh, yeah, some, some days I'm, you know, just, you know, fuck it, I'm going to ignore all the, what everyone tells you to do. I'm just going to do whatever. The babies tell me what they want and we just go That's with it. it. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time it works really well. It's just, it's just extremely tiring because sometimes I don't know what they want. But, but you know, you figure it out. <laughs> we're, we're working it out. Yeah. <laughs> I read an interesting article by a guy called uh, How Children, who, he's a, um, is a paediatrician, paediatrician at um, Ran, uh, Royal Randwick, very, um, he's been around for a long time. He he was mentioning that there's there's so many different approaches to bring up baby. So many different people use different approaches, and it's not because these approaches work. It's because humans and and babies are extremely durable. So you can use a number of different approaches, and that that and much more durable than we give them credit for. Um, and that that child's still going to turn out all right. 
if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And, yeah, I guess... So everyone's like, oh, well, this worked for me. It's not hyper-fragile. It's the only way that must work yeah. because this baby's so fragile and if I went one or the other way, things probably would have fucked up. But what they don't realise is uh, you could have done that uh, 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 in uh, a number of different ways and you still come out with the same outcome. It's a good point. And one of the beauty of twins, I guess, because I'm doing the same thing for two different humans and they respond completely differently to that, whatever it is. Yes. So uh, it's yeah. not what I'm doing, it's just nature. It's yeah. whatever, they're, whatever they want and they're different people. So it's, what I'm doing is not going to change that, Yeah. which has been a good lesson. It reminds me of a, a conversation I had with a, a fellow that was training here for a little while. His, uh, his son, Michael used to train with us, Michael Badun, and he brought his dad in, and his dad's in his late 70s, um, little old Lebanese man called Shorky, super legend. <laughs> and he trained, he trained privately with me for a couple of months, and then he came and did some classes for a while, and then he, he stopped. But um, he, was a, he was an amazing guy. But I had a, a nice chat with him once. He was talking about spending some time with his children who were all sort of in their 30s and 40s, he was talking about spending some time with them on the weekend and, you know, and, and I, I can't remember. I think he offered it up, but he said, oh, I feel very fortunate that all of my children are very generous individuals. They are all very generous with their time and they're generous with their friends and their people around them. And, um, and I said, oh, that's cool. And I, and I asked if he, if he brought them up in a particular way to, to be like that. I said, did you, did you do something when you were raising them to make them that way, you know, what, what do you think was the cause of that? And he said, I would like to say that it was something that I did, but really it's just luck. And he's <laughs> like, I'm just very grateful that I was, I, I feel lucky to have ended up with three good kids, you know? And I thought that's a really, that's a really cool thing to say because he could have totally claimed it as his hard work. Yeah, I probably you know, like I, uh, Yeah, I crafted that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I taught them from a young age, you know. But he's like, yeah, I, you know, nah, it was luck, man. They could have, you know, whatever. One of them could have been a dick and it, it just would have been the environment or their friends and obviously it's not one or the other. It's a combination of things. But I liked the humbleness of that response and it kind of, yeah, it, 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 it made that point clear that it's sort of reinforcing what you just said. You can try all these different things and it may have an effect, it may not, but you don't really know. No. And every, every, every person's an individual, you know. You can't have a cookie cutter for for human. They're all different. So different. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, did you want to touch on the permaculture piece? I know Beck's got a little bit of a green thumb. Yeah, let's talk about your garden, Beck. Yep. Uh, we've got a bit of a messy... I wouldn't call it a garden at the moment. Maybe it was once loved and therefore was a garden. But, uh, yeah, I really want to turn it into something special for, for, for me, I guess, but also for, for Indian Park to be able to play in and, uh, yeah, just have fun in the city because I think that's something that's missing, a safe place for them to play in where they don't always have to be watched, where they can learn about plants and... Green space. Yeah. Yeah, I think the most important part of that is the city part because, yeah, where do you find spaces like that here in the middle of Sydney? It's pretty hard. If you um, are from the country, I'm sure you, you get that everywhere, but space is at a premium here, so I, I guess we'll try and create something small that reflects that kind of thing. I was really inspired by the Jungle Brothers gym um, garden and the, the whole community thing that you created last year. So that kind of got me thinking when I wanted to change the front garden into something cool. What kind of garden you wanted you wanted to create? What kind? Yep. I just I just want everything to be green. I think like, I know plants hmm. are green. It sounds stupid, but just I want a lot of green, like less hard surfaces in an urban space. I suppose um, lots of edibles because I think that's fun for kids, but also very um, as sustainable as you can get. I suppose in Sydney. Because uh, it'll also teach you about things like seasons and, mm, and how good education tool. Well, yeah, because I feel sometimes I even go to the shop. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to buy turnips or something. Like, I don't know what season that's from, and then therefore that reflects in the price, and therefore that reflects in where it comes from. Yeah, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, sustainability, you know, all of that kind of stuff. 
So the worst is when you buy it and then you get home and you eat it and it tastes like shit and then you think about it and you're like, fuck, it's totally out of season. Yeah. It's from well, America yeah. or whatever. Duh. Why did I buy that? Yeah. Yeah. Even like the other day, I'm like, ooh, cherries. <laughs> cherries. They're probably from somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Then look at the label. I think they were from America. I'm like, totally makes sense. But uh, it, I would like to be, be able to think about that a little bit more and then therefore impart that on my family, I suppose. So that's kind of where the idea came from to transform my front garden into something cool. Um, it would just be cool to have a play space as well, completely separate to the permaculture piece. Yeah. Yeah. Because I see so many kids here have so much fun, just like, you know, play equipment, stuff that you don't get at home. Shit to climb and... Yeah, just stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you can, you can interact all of that together. Like yeah. have a... I, I I know I've uh, I've seen um, setups with like little little cubby houses, with um, kids veggie patch like oh, sizes. I've seen them; they're so and cool. Right, yeah, <laughs> or cover it with yeah. a big big uh, like um, hedge that you can that's got edibles on it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, heaps of interactive stuff you could do that. Great. Yeah, and try and close some of the loops. You know, like the waste piece. I can I've been trying to compost something. I don't know heaps about despite being in sustainability because you don't really design that kind of stuff in big commercial um, spaces. But something I've been trying to learn about and, and do at home, uh, you know, and there's other things as well that can reduce waste. I mean, I've been trying a lot of things at home just sustainability-wise and I think the permaculture piece fits into that quite well. Yeah, nice. So hopefully by spring we'll have some sort of garden. Awesome. Yeah. You should do a garden blitz. I know there'll be a bunch of people from the gym that would want to come over and help out. Yeah, yeah we, but I don't we know what I'm doing. Some labor. Yeah. Do you? Well, you, you, Beck is responsible. Beck is responsible for. Did my mic just go funny, or is it just what yeah, I? Yeah, it did. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, you're responsible for crafting our garden, uh, the ceramics in our garden. Oh, uh, yeah, I am. Right. So that's true. You know, and anyone who's been to our gym, if you see the beautiful ceramics on the wall. You will, uh, that's Beck's handiwork. It's not finished yet. Well, once you finish it, yeah. then we, <laughs> we can pay you back. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till you finish. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, we're going to wrap it up there. We've just, cool. we've just crossed over an hour. And, um, wow. Yeah, I know. It's pretty easy to talk about <laughs> stuff, right? Um, really appreciate you coming on today. And uh, it's a good chance for us to say thank you for the work you've done in contributing to the gym and the garden and all of that. No problem, it's been but fun. Also just being a ledge and, and you know, being a, just being a part of the tribe that's, uh, that's special to us. So, yeah, man, thanks for coming on. And um, I don't know, maybe we can get you back on one day once the kids have grown up a little bit and you can give us a bit of an update on, on how that stage of their development has gone. <laughs> I'll get them there first, each day. Just got to get through each day. <laughs> Keep them alive for one more day and then tomorrow and then the next day <laughs> and then the next day. <laughs> that's how it is, isn't it? Exactly yeah. how it is. <laughs> 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 Thank yeah. you, Beck. No problems. Thanks for having me. Thank you, mate. See ya. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, that was uh, that was episode thirty, uh, sponsored by Panavore Cafe at Pagewood. Shout out to Tree, the best coffee in the, the South Side. Um, if you want any help from us or you want to know more about what we do, you can get us at junglebrothers.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Jungle Brothers Movement. Um, if you liked the episode, we would really appreciate if you could leave us a review on iTunes and share it with someone, just one person, let them know, hey, this is cool, you should have a listen to it uh, because the more support we can get, the more we can keep doing it. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Out. <laughs>